Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. We have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its video podcast, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living. You can't have everything new if you're not willing to let go of what is, right? And you know that requires what I see as vulnerability. The ability to be open. The ability sometimes to be broken open, but the ability to be open to exactly what's in front of you, exactly what's coming into your life. Seeing that, recognizing that as an opportunity to grow in power and, and see possibilities. For as you are vulnerable to what is, the universe presents its magnificence, all of its splendor. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here this morning. As I was um, uh, introduced, I'm Reverend Moore Horton. I am the senior minister at Woodland Chapel Center for Spiritual Living in Salem, Oregon. I bring you greetings from our community to yours. We support you in your search for a new minister. Now, when I spoke here before, uh, January it was, we uh, talked about an inner voice or inner song. And that voice we identified as the presence of the infinite loving spirit of God within us. And that allowed us to sing our song with confidence and joy as we've been doing and hearing Miranda do today. Now before I get into the uh, exposition part of today's talk, I have a couple things I'd like to say. First, I'd like to say that it takes a village do you know how many people it takes to bring this wonderful service on this morning? We have our music team. We've got our sound and AV technicians. We have our practitioners. We have uh, those who prepared hospitality. And we have you. And don't forget what? The flowers. Oh, the flowers, yeah. Oh, some of my favorite. Yes, yes. Uh, I heard from Reverend Christine Green yesterday that she was out with friends at the tulip fields looking at the beautiful flowers. So she's all stoked up about flowers. <laughs> okay, second thing I want to do before we get into the substance of our talk today is just acknowledge. I'd just like to acknowledge that I, too, miss Larry. You know? There is a process by which a minister affiliates with the Centers for Spiritual Living. And that process involves both a written test, which I did fine on, and an oral panel. And the oral panel consisted of Reverend David Alexander, Reverend Shannon O'Hurley, and guess who? Reverend Larry King, right? It was a beautiful experience. I went in, we talked, I did a prayer. They said, go away. And I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> I sat in the hall. And, and then, uh, when they were ready, it didn't take very long. I said, well, come on in. 
And, you know, you kind of sit down there and you go, what's going to happen? <laughs> no. They said, well, you're in. I said, oh, wonderful. <laughs> I'm here. Yes, 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 yes. Now, as it worked out, Reverend Larry ended up being my, my mentor for a year as a new minister in Science of Mind with Centers for Spiritual Living. I'd been a minister since 1991, I think it was, or something of that sort. And so that part wasn't so new. But being part of the centers was new. We, we, we have a good relationship, and, and uh, I hold him dear in my heart, as I know you do. Now, our journey into vulnerability this morning will have three segments. The first segment I've entitled Seeing Ourselves, Seeing Our Authentic Selves. Second segment will focus on seeing others. And the third segment will be examining the space between ourselves and others. And I will also share three stories with you this morning. And if we have time, perhaps a joke, okay? Well, let's define vulnerability. Now, I take this definition from the Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary. It says, vulnerability means capable of being physically or emotionally wounded. Ooh, okay, that's kind of heavy stuff, being wounded. There's more. There's more. We'll see. I'm going to tell a little story. Uh, I, 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 I think this story shows my consciousness going from being broken to being open, being broken to being open to greater possibility and power. This is a story that's based on physical woundedness. It, it does point to a deeper meaning, and we'll get to that. First, let's start with a little backstory. In 2016, I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure. Is anybody familiar with that? It's not very pleasant. <laughs> it really isn't. Uh, my blood flow was about 50% of what it should be from my heart to my body. So I was feeling dragging and tired and all that sort of stuff. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. So uh, I went to my cardiologist, Dr. Krishnamurthy in Salem, and he said, well, uh, we've got to examine this. So he gave me several EKGs, echocardiograms, and all the... What we call stress tests, you know, all that sort of thing, to really see what's going on. And he said, well, this is pretty serious. So you, I'm going to refer you to the Health Sciences Center. At the Health Sciences Center? Why the Health Sciences Center right here in Portland? And, and he said, well, I don't think you're strong enough to have open-heart surgery. Because open-heart surgery was the recommended uh, treatment at the time. So I said, well, okay. So I was referred to a group of doctors at Health Sciences University, and they uh, uh, introduced a procedure, ro robotic, I don't know if I can remember the whole term on that one, robotic mitral valve surgery. And so instead of opening me up, <laughs> fixing it, they went up this way and through the heart and fixed it that way, which involved like a robot and, and little tiny things that go inside your body. So the choice was open up my chest or open up a blood vessel, which would heal very quickly. The open heart surgery, what, that's six to eight weeks minimum. But I was back up and going within a couple weeks, so that was really good. Now, at the time, the standard treatment was the open heart surgery. This was an experimental uh, process, and so I, I, I guess I can claim to have helped <laughs> take that experimental process into the normal process because now that this is the normal way that they like to fix these kind of problems. So what helped me has helped many. Possibility and power. Needless to say, the surgery was successful and my heart function increased by about a third within a month of the surgery. Now what brought the story to my 
attention that I wanted to share with you now is that I just recently visited my cardiologist a little, a little over a week ago. I went in, he looked at me, and he says, well, I've, I have some news for you. I said, what's that, doc? He said, your heart is 100% normal. Yes. <laughs> the, the numbers went from like a 30, uh, uh, what do they call the thing, uh, uh, blood flow to uh, uh, 60. And, and 60 to 65 is completely normal. Let's talk about news that brightened my day. Oh, <laughs> that was something. Now, Dr. K said, it may have taken us six and a half years, but we got there. And, and, and that's, that's the point here, I think, that by addressing the vulnerability that I had, a physical one, and not trying to run away from it, which I, I did try to do, <laughs> but I've been able to regain my physical well-being. And this is powerful. It's made it possible for me to continue in ministry at Woodland Chapel, for example. Now, there's a bit of an emotional side to the story. My wife and I had uh, scheduled and paid for a uh, cruise in the Black Sea on a sailboat. We really wanted to go. And it was two weeks. I, I went in for the diagnosis with these people in the Health Sciences Center two weeks before that. And I, I said, well, look, I, why don't we just wait? I'll go with my cruise. And they said, no, if you get out there in the middle of someplace <laughs> and you don't have an expert, high-level, whatever, you know, service available, medical service, you probably won't make it. So we lost some money on the cruise, but you know it's worth it. Having a fully functioning heart is wonderful. <laughs> now there is a bit of a deeper spiritual perspective in this story too. While, while vulnerability is defined as capable of being wounded, vulnerability is also an opening it's an opening for healing. It's an opening to express wholeness. And I believe this applies both to physicality and emotionality and our feelings. Wholeness. Wholeness and oneness. Vulnerability involves wholeness. Being vulnerable is actually coming to see yourself in your full dimensions. Whether you're looking at what some people like to call the shadow or dark side of yourself, or you're looking at this magnificent, mystical union with spirit, you're looking at your whole self. And you're coming to life with this, with this enriched perspective that allows the possibilities to unfold as you become more and more aware of yourself. There may be some things you've been ashamed of that you're willing to change. And when we see both the light and dark elements, we begin to understand we have the power. We have the choice within ourselves to be able to make those changes because we are connected to that inner song, that inner voice, that presence of the divine. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We acknowledge the messy and the mystical, both. Now, seeing ourself as wholeness is really important for this journey into vulnerability. And it rests on a, the most fundamental metaphysical principle. I think you know what it is. Anybody want to venture a guess? Love. Love? Well, what, uh, what, how do you start your covenant for a new minister? What are you saying right at the beginning? There is one life. There is one life. Oneness. This one love, this one energy that is in the universe and expresses itself in so many wonderful ways, that's 
the essence of this um, pro progress in, into and through vulnerability. There is one, yet each of us are an individualized manifestation of the one. Each one of us is the one love manifesting as one life through the creative medium of the one law. I understood from our earlier work this morning that everyone here is pretty f has been here for a while. You're pretty familiar with the creative process, the uh, symbol, the teaching symbol that shows spirit, divine consciousness, the ideal, the true, that which doesn't change yet is always creative, the, the law, the creative medium, that through which the spirit impregnates with its idea. And, and then the manifestation, the manifestation, the, the, that's us. That's you and me. That's the center. That's our teaching, this manifestation. And the impulsion or ev evolution and, and evolution, involution and evolution of spirit. That whole process is made easier, is made more facile, is made more gracious when we realize that we are truly vulnerable. We're open to new ideas. We're open to new expressions of life. Now, early in our Science of Mind movement, our many ministers, practitioners, and teachers were busy doing the work. One day, they turned to Ernest Holmes and asked him a question. <laughs> it was a simple one. He said, they said, what is it we believe? I mean, they were excited about new thought, and they, but what do we believe? Well, Ernest sat down, and they say in 25 minutes or so, wrote the principles of a science of mind. And the very first one he started with is, and I quote, you'll find it in the Science of Mind magazine, every issue about page 10. We believe in God, the living spirit almighty, one, indestructible, absolute, and self-existent cause. This one manifests itself in and through all creation, but is not absorbed by its creation. The manifest universe is the body of God. It is the logical and necessary outcome of the infinite self-knowingness of God. So science of mind rests firmly on the principle of oneness. Now, oneness doesn't mean sameness, right? The multiplicity, as Ernest said, exists within the one. And there are expressions of the one, each a unique configuration. So as we understand this and grasp this oneness, we can begin to see the power of vulnerability, of openness, as a way of nurturing belonging, connection, and community. Once we see ourselves deeply, we can see others too. We can accept others very easily when they are being kind to us. Now, it may be more difficult when they demand something that challenges us. This is my second story. I owe this story to something that seemingly happened by chance. I was happily driving down the highway in silence, as I do from time to time. Anybody like to just be quiet while you're driving? Don't have to listen to whoever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was doing that, and I got this urge to turn on the, uh, the radio to my favorite channel, which happens to be OPB, Oregon Public <laughs> Broadcasting. And I heard this story from Shankar Vedanta. Does anybody know about Shankar Vedanta and the hidden brain? Anyway, yeah. sound, okay, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting series. In this series, in this uh, episode, Susan Prescott described her unsung hero. He is her 12th grade English teacher, Fred DeMeo. And she says, and I quote, one day Mr. DeMeo assigned everyone a poem to recite in front of the class, and I was terrified. 
I had a mild stutter. I'd be trying to get a word out that might begin with a D, D or a hard D, or, or th- and, and I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't come out. Well, I might say it three times. And I thought, no way. I'm getting up there in front of my peers and speaking. So I went home, and I told my mother how I felt, and she wrote a note asking me to be excused from doing the assignment in front of the whole class. So the day of the public speaking assignment, instead of giving it in front of the peers, I gave it to him one-on-one after the school day. And we sat down, and I recited my poem. Now, I don't remember if I stuttered, but he looked at me when I was finished, and he said, what was wrong with that? And I just sat there. And he said again, I liked listening to your voice. And I had never heard that before. (laughs) I think in his mind, it was so minor, and he wanted me to understand that I have nothing to be afraid of. No fear, no fear, right? And I didn't realize how empowering that would be for me. And I never thanked him. You know, I graduated and just moved forward as an 18-year-old person will do. I graduated college. And, and when I graduated from college, the second job I got was as a corporate trainer. So I stand up in front of people and, and I speak. And I do it all the time. And if I do stutter once in a while, big whop. Who cares? Now, Susan was confronted by an emotional fear that many share. The fear of speaking in public, the fear of being seen and heard by peers. Yet by enlisting the support of her family, by by accepting the gentleness of her teacher, she was able to complete her assignment and found her personal power. And then she said, I'd like Mr. DeMeo to know that he truly is an unsung hero because he played a big role in my very successful career and my life. And that was life-changing. I don't know where I would have gone if I felt like I had to keep my voice quiet because I was afraid of embarrassing myself. I'd like to give him my thanks. Now, since her interview, she reports, as Shankar Vedanta says, that she's found the way to reach Fred DeMeo and writing him a letter saying thank you. So seeing others, Mr. DeMeo was able to listen deeply and respond with kindness that helped Susan free herself from the fear of appearing and speaking in public. He saw her vulnerability and responded to it. That opened the possibility for her to become a corporate trainer and help change her life. In the mood for a joke? Okay. Let's see if this one plays with you as it did with me. An old man, a schoolboy, a lawyer, a doctor, and a community service worker were all on a plane with only four parachutes when the pilot of the plane had a stroke and passed away. As the plane plummets its passengers to death, the five members of the aircraft argue who, who deserves to have the four bags containing the parachutes. Right? Social worker, I, des- I deserve to live because I protect vulnerable children and support families in need of assistance. The social worker grabs the nearest bag and plump plummets out of the aircraft. Lawyer, I deserve to live because I advocate for my clients through my sharp wit and massive knowledge. Mm. The lawyer grabs the second bag and plummets out of the aircraft. Doctor, 
I deserve to live because I help diagnose ill people with my specialized training. The doctor grabs the third bag and plummets out of the airport, airplane. This leaves only the schoolboy and the old man on the plane with it descending toward the ground. And the old man says, go ahead, boy. Take the last parachute. You have many years ahead of you. Well, I'm just an old man who is soon to die anyway. Schoolboy. That's okay, old man. We can both take a parachute. Look, there's still two. The old man's eyes widen with surprise. The old man, how is this possible? Schoolboy. The lawyer with the sharp wit and massive knowledge took my school backpack. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope nobody's a lawyer here. If they are, I don't mean any offense. <laughs> it's good, just a good joke. <laughs> Let's take a look at the space between ourselves, seeing ourselves, and seeing others, okay? Oh, goodness. Vulnerability changes the space between us. It changes that area where we interact with other folk. In fact, it can draw us closer to one another. It transcends distance by allowing others to see us as a whole person. Sometimes we make mistakes, we just gotta say so, right? Sometimes we do great things, and maybe we get to say a little bit about that too. But we do it all. When we allow ourselves to be seen, we invite others to do the same. Have you all heard of Brene Brown? Somebody, a little bit, so, okay, a good number. Well, she's kinda, maybe the guru of vulnerability in some ways. There are others too. But she writes in Gifts of Imperfection. Now we're talking here about the emotional um, vulnerability, right? We cultivate love when we allow our most vulnerable and powerful selves to be deeply seen and known. And when we honor the spiritual connection that grows from that offering with trust, respect, kindness, and affection. Okay. So when we show trust, respect, kindness, and affection, and maybe with confidentiality when appropriate, we build a deep sense of connection. And that is community, this sense of connection. I recently participated in a small group where people told each other, this is my third story, <laughs> and each, they told each other what attracted them to get involved in New Thought at their Center for Spiritual Living. Well, there was a common theme that emerged. It was spontaneous. I was a little surprised. Each had found someone in their center they trusted enough to share a vulnerable part of their personal story. And some of them were a little heavy, too. Some shared with a minister, some with a practitioner, and some with a person sitting next to them in the congregation. They felt comfortable to do this. Now, when we're talking about this sharing, we're not talking about like the reality show stuff you see where all kinds of ugly, well, I think ugly <laughs> things happen. <laughs> you know, it's not like driving yourself into the ground, right? But this is simple sharing. This is sharing from the heart. And, and, and when these folks were sharing this information with me and, and others, the depth and simplicity of their sharing brought tears to my eyes and to the eyes of others who shared and heard. In short, what they experienced was community. This community welcomed them, did not judge them, and listened. It was a community that had faith, it still does, have faith in them and love for them. And they experienced what it means to be involved and truly involved 
and a center for spiritual living. In her book, Rising Strong, Brene Brown writes this. I believe that vulnerability, talking about emotional vulnerability, the willingness to, is the willingness to show up and be seen with no guarantee of outcome. And I believe it is the only path to more love, belonging, and joy. The only path to love, belonging, and joy. Certainly, vulnerability opens the path to love. It opens the path to belonging and to joy, as do all of our spiritual practices correctly used. It may be the only path from a sociological research standpoint, where she stands, but our many spiritual practices in our classes lead us to wholeness and self-confidence and the sure knowledge of our oneness in the one. As we begin to see ourselves in wholeness, as we see others in their wholeness, we experience our connection in wholeness and realize we are one. We are one as expressions of the one, manifesting the qualities of the divine in our daily lives and in our community action. I invite you to join in a short, but I think powerful exercise. I will state an affirmation and ask you to repeat it. We had some practice with that this morning, didn't we? Yeah, it's kind of based on the same thing. The first affirmation will be, I am. And I'm debating whether to um, say our senior minister is or we are. How about both? Oh, that's a thought. Okay. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Okay. I am filled with joy at being here. I am filled with joy at being here. We are filled with joy at being here. Our new senior minister is filled with joy at being here. Our new senior minister is filled with joy at being here. I am whole and complete. I am whole and complete. We are whole and complete. We are whole and complete. Our senior minister is whole and complete. Our senior minister is whole and complete. I am power and possibility. We are power and possibility. We are power and possibility. Our senior minister is power and possibility. Our senior minister is power and possibility. I am one in the one. We are one in the one. Our senior minister is one in the one. I am light. We are light. Our senior minister is light. I am love. I, we are love. We are love. Our senior minister is love. Our senior minister is love. I belong here. I belong here. We belong here. We belong here. Our senior minister belongs here. Our senior minister belongs here. Us. This is the truth. This is the truth. All right. I love it. This is the truth. On a deeply spiritual level. Let it be so. Let it be so. And so it is. And so it is. And that's our message for this morning. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. 
If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Our inspirational service is at 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.